Catechism, we have come to Lord's Day 7, and in that connection, we will read from Scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll start first with reading Hebrews 11, the verses 1 through 16. And if I have it right, these first verses are also a theme text for the school this year. Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise." For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore." These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now... They desire a better that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has pre prepared a city for them. And then we turn to verse 39 and read through chapter 12, verse 2. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, 
that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So far, the reading of Scripture. Let's now turn our attention to Lord's Day 7 of the Heidelberg Catechism, which we find on page 523 of the Book of Praise. And this afternoon, I will be asking the question, and you will be saying in unison the answer. So let's begin with Lord's Day 7, question 20. Are all men then saved by Christ just as they perished through Adam? What is true faith? What then must a Christian believe? What are these articles? Creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe a holy Catholic Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And that amen that didn't come out as clearly is truly appropriate. After the sermon, we will sing... Psalm 62, stanzas 1 and 4, which speak about putting our trust in God alone, but then also the fourth verse speaking about the fact that we need to remind ourselves to do so. 
theme for the sermon is Christ our mediator draws us to himself and calls us to walk by faith and not by sight. And we'll look at two things. Faith is a living personal trust in God and faith is built on gospel promises. Dear brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, a few minutes ago we read part of Hebrews 11, a famous chapter that helps us understand what is a true and living faith. Yet when we delve a little deeper, the opening phrase sounds a bit complex, doesn't it? What if you went up to someone who has no idea what the Christian faith is about and read to them the opening verse of Hebrews 11? New King James. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, don't expect the person to respond, ah, now I get it. Thanks for the clarification. But why these words? Well, the answer is rather simple. The author of Hebrews is not analyzing or dissecting the various components and parts of faith, but this chapter opens by telling us how faith operates. It is the assurance, the substance, the steady confidence of mind of what we hope for. Taking the Lord at His word. I proceed with confidence, believing that what he says applies to me. I trust God will fulfill his word through Christ. Faith is the substance, the assurance of things hoped for. And as we know, hope is not wishful thinking, but something that is certain but not yet fully realized in our present experience. It is the hope of which Paul speaks in Romans 5 verse 5 where he says that the hope of glory will not let us down because we have already tasted the love of God in our hearts through the Spirit. But faith is more than this, isn't it? Faith is the conviction that there is a reality that is beyond what we see. It's the evidence, the conviction, that our earthly existence is not bound to what we see. Hebrews 11 verse 3 puts it this way, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Faith is not some abstract notion, but assumes being in a relationship with the one who has been from eternity. We have faith in God, who was there way back, further than what we can grasp, way further back than the creation of the world. And this is the faith that is captured in the first verse of the Bible, where the author writes, in the beginning, God. 
The author of Genesis doesn't make his case for the existence of God. He doesn't come with all sorts of arguments, but his starting point is God exists. And the same faith is at the heart of the first verses of the Gospel of John. When he introduces the ministry of Christ with these words, in the beginning was the Word, was Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. And Hebrews 11 verse 6 concludes, Without this faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists. The author of Hebrews says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. But can we leave it at that? Well, we don't have to look very far to get the answer, do we? For the rest of Hebrews 11 demonstrates what this kind of faith means in the nitty-gritty of day-to-day living, also for us. This chapter takes us on a tour through an amazing portrait gallery of men and women who lived by faith. People trusting there's far more to life than meets the eye. And those are presented to us in Hebrews 11 as examples of faith who looked beyond the present to things hoped for and who looked beyond the visible to the invisible. They defied the wisdom of the world that told them to live for today. Instead, they lived in the light of the future and handled everything that is visible in the light of the invisible. They trusted God to fulfill His Word and believed that what He promised would be fulfilled. Did they have it all straight? No, they didn't. Many times they failed, and we know the story of these individuals. Did they have full knowledge of God, of what He had in store for them, and how He would fulfill His Word? No, they did not. Yet they walked by faith and not by sight. And we are to do the same. We read about that too. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer, the author, and perfecter of our faith. Now, living in the present world is often overwhelming because of all the changes that are taking place driven by technology and ideologies that throw out or challenge so much of what we value. 
But there's no reason to be disillusioned. As humans, we are not in a senseless cycle of birth, schooling, work, retirement, and death. No, we go forward and we persevere, we endure, trusting the Lord has the master plan. Faith in its present activity is always looking forward to the future. And when we live by faith, we do not view life and its events through eyeglasses from the lens crafters of this world, but through the divine prescription that enables us to have 2020 vision, spiritual vision in this world. Faith is always looking forward because it ties us to what Christ has done and accomplished as our mediator and savior in the past according to what he was called to do as that is reflected in the Lord's days that we have looked at previously. You see, if Jesus didn't die or rise from the dead, if he was merely a good man buried somewhere in Palestine, then our faith is dead in the water. What would be the point of believing in anything? We just live our lives and make the best of what for many has become a sorry and unhappy situation and destination. But the Gospel of John that we talked about earlier demonstrates the importance of believing in Christ. He says in the second last chapter of the Gospel, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in His name. Life in His name. Brothers and sisters, here you have the crux of your faith. Faith is a true knowledge whereby I accept as true all that the Bible says because the entire book is about God who is trustworthy and who allows us to go into the future with hope and comfort and assurance and confidence. And the more we know God's character, His person and His work, the more we come to, to see that He is entirely trustworthy not only in providing us with full salvation, but also in destroying the devil and all who stubbornly go their own way. And the more I take my Bible and read, the more I will come to see that he is ever faithful and trustworthy. Yes, through the reading and meditation of Scripture, I lean on Him more deeply because I gain confidence in Him. I come to see how utterly reliable He is. The God whom we trust is the God of our salvation. And walking by faith and believing in Him allows us to let out a huge sigh of relief. 
Faith in Him permits us to release our fears and remove the anxieties and burdens of our hearts. He will send full salvation and restore all things to what they were meant to be and meant to do. And He does so in the coming of the Messiah. But here's the question. Does that mean our faith will always be as strong as it should be? Well, you already know the answer to that, don't you? No, it's not as strong as it should be. Was that not why Jesus rebuked his disciples, Oh, you of little faith? Why did he say this? He was right with them. And yet their faith in him wasn't consistent. It was plagued with doubts and skepticism. The littlest thing threw them off. And the same is true for us, isn't it? There can be times when everything seems dark and bleak and we are weak. And we may even question, where is God? Does he care when I am feeling empty? Does he care at all? We may have times when we are troubled by the evil of this world and all the upsetting things people can do to each other, even in the church. If God is to be trusted, why doesn't he do something about it? Well, in such times, remember what you said when you took answer 21 of the Heidelberg Catechism on your lips this afternoon as your confession. The Holy Spirit works faith in my heart by the gospel. He doesn't do it once, but repeatedly. When faith ebbs and doubts well up in my heart, and I can't see my way through another day. I need to keep in mind my relationship with the Lord. How it does not depend on the strength of my faith. Or how I feel. Or on my emotions. But on His faithfulness. Faith is built on what we know. And as we already quoted this morning. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. That's the God in whom we trust. Now, people often think of Christians as people who are big on morals. And so Christians are held up to a higher moral standard, and if they fail... Their sincerity is questioned and their hypocrisy is highlighted. And some of that is our own fault. Because we present the Christian faith as if it is equated with social conservatism. A good Christian is one who is known as being morally upright and who speaks out against such things as abortion and medical-assisted death. But brothers and sisters, what must mark you and me as a Christian 
is that your faith is first and foremost a matter of trusting. Trusting in the Lord. Otherwise, we are setting ourselves up for ridicule because by nature, we are just as selfish, manipulative, and untrustworthy as anyone else. But God is faithful and trustworthy, and He has taken us out of this dark world to walk in the light of communion with Him. Faith accepts as true all that is revealed in the Word of God, and that Word teaches me to confess, I can't be trusted, and neither can others. But God is entirely trustworthy. And trusting in God and believing His Word gives me joy. Songs of praise breaks forth from my lips, even in the night of distress. And when we draw the line from faith to trust, instead of from faith to moral living, God will be given the glory and proper attention. Morals point too much to us, but trust draws us to Him. And so, dear friends, don't be vague when someone asks you what the Christian faith is all about. Be clear to your children as well that they need to come to the point in their life where they confess their faith and trust in the Lord. Trusting in Christ is the heart of faith that transforms everything now and into the future. The summons to trust Christ is core Christianity and at the heart of discipleship. Think of the gracious words Jesus spoke in Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. He said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and lean, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Faith is trusting. Faith is abiding in Christ and receiving Christ, and ultimately embracing Him in total trust. And true faith puts me in the company of Jesus, but is never easy, because it involves surrendering my life to Christ. It means taking up my cross and following Him. It means that I forsake everything for His sake, it means humbly serving Him whom I acknowledge to be the Lord of my life. It means cleaving to this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to trust Him and to love Him with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's something else that needs to be said before we are done. Faith is a personal living trust in God, but it rests on gospel promises, which takes us to our second point. 
Now, when you as congregation were asked, what then must a Christian believe, you answered, all that is promised us in the gospel, which the articles of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith teach us in a summary. And that answer points us to the fact that the Christian faith is built on gospel promises. And these promises hold out to us hope because they give us good news. They're gospel promises. We believe in God the Father Almighty who created the heavens and the earth and who promises as the one who looks after this world to provide us with all good, avert all evil, or to turn it to our benefit. We believe in Jesus Christ who promises that he washes us in his blood from all our sins and unites us with him in his death and resurrection. We believe in the Holy Spirit who assures us that he will dwell in us and make us living members of Christ imparting to us what we have in Christ. And beloved, we are called to believe all that is promised in the gospel. Think of what this entails. The Bible from start to finish is filled with promises that we and our children are to make our own. So that these promises become our very life. And govern our responses to what happens in our personal lives, in our families, in church life, and in the world around us. And as you read scripture, take a moment to note all that God promises. Holy scripture gives us so much encouragement. And here's a few for starters. Isaiah 1 verse 18, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Promise of God. Isaiah 41 verse 10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And 1 Peter 5 verse 10. The text that you heard last week associated with public profession of faith. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. In John 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, that is to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Hebrews 9 verse 15, for this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant 
that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Now sometimes we get impatient and we want things to happen according to our schedule. We want the promises of the gospel to come our way immediately. But God has his own reason for fulfilling his promises at his time. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Did Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah get what they were promised during their lifetime? No. Hebrews 11 verse 13 says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. And then there's the last verses of Hebrews 11. These are all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Well, are you prepared to wait? Trusting the Lord has something better in store for us when all the saints are united. And when you are tempted to doubt the Lord, remember Hebrews 10 verse 23, which says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Brothers and sisters, true faith is reliable since it is based on the trustworthiness and the reliability of God. He can be trusted completely. He is absolutely faithful. He never quits on His promises, and nothing can frustrate His purpose. Today we believe in the things that we do not see. We believe in the God who exists who created the universe and who has revealed His promises to us in His Word. Well then, how can we not trust what He says and what He promises? For all the promises of God find their yes and amen in Christ. And that is why it is through Him that we utter our Amen to God for His glory. Amen.